Welcome to Parenting Your Sensitive Child. Parenting a highly sensitive child can feel overwhelming, and all the parenting books in the world can only get you so far if your head and your heart are out of alignment with your child's. I'm your host, Julia McGarry. Let's create a new parenting paradigm. So many parents, when seeking help with their kids or trying to break cycles or working on creating more time for themselves without feeling guilty or neglecting their kids or feeling like they're neglecting their kids, are looking for actions. They want to know how these other people who are doing the thing they wish they could do are actually doing it step by step, right? So much parenting advice out there caters to this. But that's not what we're doing here. Not today, at least. Today, we're going to get a little introspective. We are going to take this time and talk about how your thinking is getting in the way of the relationship you want to have with your kids. I want to dive into this because if you don't take the time to look at your thinking and think critically about it, All the tips and tricks and scripts that you can get your hands on are going to fall short. I know I touched on this a little bit in the Living in the Gap episode, but if you missed it, you might want to go back and listen for some examples. But I'm going to give you one example right now that really illustrates what I'm talking about, okay? If you believe that there are certain behaviors that your child knows are wrong, and you catch them in the act of one of those behaviors, like running into the street maybe, or even just running away from you in a public space, or lying, especially when it's something you think they have no reason to lie about. If you believe that they know better, that thought is going to rise to the surface and it's going to be a lot harder to stay calm and understand why it's happening or what sparked this uncharacteristic behavior. You're going to be much more likely to focus on the behavior instead of on the person. Seeing this shows us why we need to look at our own thoughts to better understand our reactions. But before we go any deeper with that, we need to clear up a few assumptions about our thoughts and our thinking. And there are two main assumptions that I wanna focus on, two main assumptions that come into play here. First, we tend to assume that thoughts that feel true to us are actually true. We believe our thoughts more often than not. And when we believe a thought, we treat it like it's a fact. The way we interpret our child's behavior is a good example. Let's say you make soup for dinner. Your child says, this looks disgusting. Do I have to eat it? And you might think your child is being disrespectful, but it's not a fact. The facts are, You cooked soup, your child said it looked disgusting, and they asked for something else. You thought it was disrespectful. It's not true or false, and it's not a fact. And we know this because another person in the same situation might think, well, they're just being honest. Can you see that? So that's the first assumption. We assume that the thoughts that feel true are true. The second assumption is that we have 
no control over our thoughts. They happen to us, and we are at their mercy. And this is an easy assumption to fall into because thoughts happen very quickly. We don't mean to think a thought. It does seem like it just happens to us. And it feels especially true when we aren't paying attention to our thoughts and when we're accepting them as truth. When we start to notice what we are actually thinking, though, we access a lot of choices we didn't realize we had. We give ourselves more agency. I kind of like to look at our thoughts as like lines of code. Sometimes they run in the background and we don't see them at all. But when we do see them, we can start to see how they influence everything that follows. If you take my example about the soup, the parent who thinks their child is being disrespectful is going to feel and act completely differently than the parent who thinks that their child is just being honest. When you can see that, you can decide if the way you are thinking about a situation is serving you or not. You get to decide if you are running good code or bad code, and you get to decide if you want to revise it. To put that a different way, when you can see your thoughts and you can see how they're influencing how you're feeling and how you're acting, you can choose a new thought. You have that option. You don't have to continue running bad code, and this is really good news. It's something that we're not always told. Probably most of us were never told that we can choose to think differently about a situation. We don't have to follow along with the thoughts that just come to us. Okay, over the next few weeks, I'm going to go over a few examples of thoughts that get in the way for a lot of parents I work with. Today, though, I want to leave you with this. When you start to see the connection between what you're thinking and how you're acting, it's very tempting to try to direct yourself to something positive. It's a trap. If your thought is that your child is being disrespectful and that feels really true to you, trying to tell yourself that they're being honest and honesty is a virtue probably won't work because it won't feel as true. Instead, you want to look for something neutral, not something positive. And you want to look for something that you can actually believe right now in this moment, that you actually believe as much as that original thought that comes to you so easily. If it were me in this situation, I would probably go for, this isn't about me. Because when I think someone's being disrespectful, that is about me. And with my child, in this context, I can believe that their food aversions aren't actually about me just as easily as I can believe their words or their tone are disrespectful. So I would write that thought. This, so this is what I would do once I found that, once I realized, okay, this is what I'm thinking. This is something else I believe that I could just as easily direct myself to in that moment. I would write that thought down on a post-it note and put it next to my computer because that's where I am most likely to see it. I use my computer almost every day. It's always right there when I open up my computer. I can just see it and remind myself, okay, 
when that happens, it's not about me. I can see that post-it note and remember to practice this thought. Their food aversions are not about me. And the more we practice, the easier it's going to be to call up our new thoughts when we need them. This is how we change the program we're running. This is how we start to rewrite the code that's fueling us in those moments where we start to get triggered, where we start to have a reaction to something our child is doing. Okay? I will reiterate one more time. You know, you can find so many scripts and so many step-by-step -step guides for what to do in those moments, but if you aren't aware of what your mind is doing, you can get completely derailed and lose access to the way that you want to respond. All right? So in the next few weeks, I'm going to dive a little deeper into different thoughts, specific thoughts that I see that get in the way for other parents. Like I mentioned before, this is a huge part of the work I do with my clients. And if you are ready to get started doing some of that work for you, you can see how this pattern is showing up in your life. You can see how the code that you're running is causing problems for you. Reach out to me. Let's get a call set up to see if we'd be a good fit for working together, right? That's the first step. I say it often because I want it to be easy for you to find me, all right? All you have to do is go to my website, partneredpath.com, or come find me on Instagram. Click on coaching and we will get started. I hope. Listen, if you're enjoying this podcast, I'd appreciate it if you'd take a few minutes to leave a review. It'll help other parents find the podcast, and more importantly, it'll help more grown-ups see their kids' sensitivity as the strength it truly is.